News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sekolder, the Louisville Real Estate Show. We are here with you to the top of the hour. Thank you for joining us, folks. With us today, Cora Henderson, who is one of the head folks over at Pitt & Frank Attorneys, LLC. You can reach the folks over there at 895-9900. Also here, Brad Lawler. He owns Home Team Inspection Service and also Team Bugout. Yep. And you should know that... uh, Home team also is in Lexington and Frankfurt. You can reach uh, Brad to get your home inspected, 844-411-TEAM. Much like the closing attorney, you can also pick the home inspector that you want to inspect your home. And you can also pick the real estate agent to list and sell your home. And I would be honored and and I'd be thrilled if you chose me, myself, uh, Bob Sokoler. I own the Sokoler team at REMAX Properties East and been doing this now just about 20 years and have a pretty good track record. And if you are thinking of selling, call me for a free, no obligation uh, estimate of what it would take to get you on the market. I'll come out, we talk, come up with a plan. You can reach me on my cell phone at 376 5483, or you can go to bobsellslouisville.com. Coming up a little later on in the show, if you are thinking of selling, we've got a list of what not to fix when selling your home. This will go against what Brad thinks, but I'm just telling you, these are what not to fix when selling your home. All right, we'll start it off with Cora, ladies first. So, Cora, Daryl listens to our show, and uh, he called me last week after the show to discuss this problem. And this is a serious problem, folks, for anybody, any parents who have kids who want to move in with a friend. Apparently, uh, both his daughter and her friend want to own, sell their homes, and then move into one home and that they would buy together. And so Daryl is wondering, how is that going to be accomplished? Are there any concerns that they should have about going down this path? Cora. Great question, Daryl, and thank you for listening to the show. So it sounds like this scenario is one that we call unmarried cohabitants, right? So we have an unmarried couple that, whether they're friends, uh, friendship couple there or otherwise, um, they are unmarried and they want to take title together to a house. And of course, like you said, live together. So, um, you know, not to get into too much of the weeds, but both of them may or may not be qualifying for the loan. Um, certainly, I would think both of them would be on the deed if they're wanting to be on the house together. But, you know, those are certain facts that we want to look at. But instead, I want to focus on what I think this couple needs and many people in a similar situation, and that's what's called a cohabitation agreement. Ah. So, yes. So um, I do have some other family law practitioners that will draw that up. We do those as, as well here as real estate attorneys. And so that simple contractual agreement will account for basically, you know, who the parties are, what monies you're putting into it, and then other parameters regarding, hey, in the event we do decide to sell the property, um, who gets paid back first from those proceeds? Also, in the event of, um, let's say, a falling out between the friends or the couple, maybe one wants to sell, one does not, we have some other provisions relating to that because I do believe that's quite common. Unfortunately, we, we see this scenario quite a bit in the closing field, and we try to counsel and or recommend a cohabitation agreement while everybody's getting along, but they don't always feel the need for one. Um, and so we get the call a number of months later, even years later, one wants to sell, one does not. Um, maybe one put all the money down on the down payment has made you know all the mortgage payments and one has not and it becomes a battle ultimately that the courts are going to have to resolve which is even more timely and costly Mm. so daryl cohabitation agreement we're happy to serve you in that and um just give us a call 
Thanks. I will give out your number in a little bit. Thank you very much on that, Cor. And Daryl, uh, hopefully that will help you. A reminder, if you want to hear a repeat, actually a see a repeat of today's show, you can go to LouisvilleAnswers.com. LouisvilleAnswers.com. That's a redirect to our YouTube channel. All right, Brett Lawler, home team inspection. Betty writes in, she had her air ducts cleaned in her condo recently. And then everything seemed to be good. But there's now a whirling noise coming from the area of the HVAC unit in the attic. It's a kind of a high-pitched noise, she says, and it can be very annoying. And she's wondering, what's it coming from and could it have started from the air duct cleaning? Brad, how about that? Well, it could have come from the air duct cleaning. Um, one of the things that you need to know when you're having your air ducts cleaned is ask your contractor how they're going to do it because many of them use high pressure air and they just blow things loose. Um, they do not vacuum anything out. They basically just push everything to uh, one end of the system and uh, pull it out there. So it's possible that something did get into the fan. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it, it's probably not likely. Uh, it's more likely that she has some sort of a bearing uh, that's going out in a uh, in the fan motor. Uh, either case, I would definitely contact the HVAC company to come out and take a look at it because it could be a very, very simple minor problem. It may just be the technician vacuums that fan off or it's uh, it, it's a fan motor replacement. But again, that's 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 a, a, a relatively inexpensive compa repair compared to the uh, the entire system. Mm, no kidding. When you are bringing in an HVAC company, make sure you check their reviews to make sure that they're worthy. We've got a list of uh, people. If you ever want to get in contact with me, I'll give you my number, and you can ask who we would recommend. And uh, what's very important to check reviews, and you'll see this. This is really a good way to get into the fact that we've got some great reviews, and I'd love you to read. I'd love for all of you to read our reviews. Go to LouisvilleZillow.com or LouisvilleGoogle.com, and you can read some of the reviews of our Sekolar team. Back over to Cora at Pitt and Frank Attorneys. Matthew writes in that he is one day away from closing on a home and he's no longer interested in actually moving forward and purchasing the home. Yep. So he's wondering what type of penalties is he going to face if he does not close on his home? Cora. Oh, Matthew. Well, first, let me say that you are not alone, whether it's the purchaser who has what we call buyer's remorse or if it's a seller. Um, so we'll oftentimes see those situations where there's either a breach or an anticipatory breach situation and the parties just simply want to back out. Mm. So the first thing we want to do is we want to review that contract to see if there's any valid contingencies that you can exercise in order to get out. And that's why it's so instrumental that you work with those real estate professionals so that they can uh, direct you to um, the correct legal counsel that are knowledgeable about your board forms, those real estate agents who can look through to let you know if those contingencies exist or if they have expired. Um, so absent any valid contingencies, any good contractual provision that would allow you to, then we're talking about a breach situation, whether, again, whether it's anticipatory, like you think you want to get out, but you haven't told anybody yet, or you've actually breached and, you know, um, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, and says, I am not performing, I am not moving forward, I am not showing up to closing. So then in a breach situation, you might be liable for a number of different damages. So generally speaking, um, in this situation with a buyer, what actual cost has a seller incurred that they could go against the buyer for? Moving costs and expense, did they store some of their uh, items? Um, are they under contract for another home? 
both sides of the real estate commission. So even though traditionally speaking, the commissions are going to be paid by the seller, the breaching party may be liable for those commissions in that instance. Uh, and then obviously you could have to pay mediation costs, arbitration costs, legal fees, and more. So, you know, people think it's just, oh, well, I'm sorry, I want to back out, or I'm just going to lose my good faith deposit, because certainly if it's a breach, you know, that's one of the first things there. But at least the GLAR contract, if there's a fight over the earnest money deposit, you can actually get up to three times the amount of that. So mm. what you may think is a simple $1,000 good faith deposit could very quickly turn into tens of thousands of dollars or more. And I would say almost always when we have this discussion about risk versus reward, the risk of breaching versus the reward of doing so or the lack of reward when it shows your liability, almost always when we have that conversation, people end up doing the right thing and they end up performing. Now, what I will tell you, Matthew, is that if what I just said scares you a little bit, and you're like, well, I don't have that kind of money. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder. I don't want to be open to that liability. We are in this amazing um, market where we have an extreme lack of inventory, but that gives you an opportunity where if you buy it, not only would I'm sure you'd feel really good about reselling it, and Bob can can take a look at those stats for you, mm. um, but you might even be able to make more money. I had that, now this was about a year and a half ago, we had a buyer, didn't want the home. They resold it and got it under contract in four days post-closing. So they closed on it so they wouldn't be liable got it under contract four days later, and they actually made $25,000. It's bananas. Oof. It is bananas. You're absolutely right. Mm. No kidding. Just bring some cereal with you. We go back over to Brad Lawler over at Home Team Inspections. Scott writes in with the recent rains. He's having flooding problems, and he is asking if you, you Brad, have any tips on how to avoid moisture-related damage. I think that's something a lot of us could identify with. Yeah. So let's start outside the house. That's where it all begins. Uh, I want to make sure that all of the water is moved away from your house. So if you've got a puddle uh, that's sitting up next to a foundation wall of any type, then you need to go ahead and regrade it, whether it means throwing a little bit more dirt in there, whether it means raking it so that the water flows away. Also, we want to extend those downspouts. So we don't want the water dropping right at the base of the house. Use an extension. Um, if it doesn't hit like a downhill slope when they come down, just you know get those inexpensive plastic uh, extenders. Move, move it out. I mean, splash blocks are okay. But again, the whole idea is just to make sure that none of the water presses up against the house. Make sure that your gutters are are clean. Um, a lot of gutters will overflow, uh, causing the water to come in through the roof line. Um, and that's, that is a big problem. Also, obviously, the chimneys leak, roofs leak. So you're looking for any evidence of moisture coming into the house in those channels. D I will tell you, just make friends with a roofer. Uh, there are a lot of great roofers out there that will come in and make uh, minor repairs. Um, spending $200 on a minor repair could save you thousands of dollars later. Um, so tackle those any of those moisture problems right away. Caulk around windows. Uh, I know we're coming into the you know spring rainy season now. It's not the best time to do it, but if you didn't do it in the fall, Go ahead and uh, check those windows, uh, caulk around, just make sure you don't have water coming in anywhere because water is the number one killer of the home. Okay, good stuff. A uh, quickie reminder that if you'd like to see some of the photography of what we do, we use a 3D camera. It's pretty impressive. Go to Louisville3D.com. That's Louisville3D.com. We go back over to Cora at Pitt and & Frank, and Billy heard us last week talk about homeowners and landlords visiting the rentals that they own and manage rentals. So we talked about this 
can you go in and visit, right? And this particular person who had uh, sent us an email did not have his lease, so he didn't know. Anyway, Billy says he owns several rentals and wants to visit them to monitor if there's any damage. But he is wondering, and listen up to all uh, owners of rental units, could the renter pull a gun on him and shoot him if he comes through the door, even if he's given 48-hour notice? Is that even a possibility? And Billy, great yeah. questions. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of like uh, more than one. That's like a twofer right there. So yeah. from the real estate side, if I can answer that piece first, certainly we want to examine the lease, if any. And in this instance, I believe you said he did not have a lease. So if right. we don't look to the contract, we don't have the contract to glean any type of um, rights to inspect the property um, or to come onto the property. Then, of course, we want to um, look at our state landlord tenant rights, right, and regarding any type of opportunity, the number of hours that we have to uh, provide reasonable notice. Um, but again, I would like to thank that if you reach out amicably to the tenant, identify yourself. I think it's a great practice for landlords to kind of inspect those periodically um, and then agree on a on a reasonable notice. Like you're like, hey, I would love to come by the property. Can I come by, you know, on, on Tuesday at five and you agree on that time, but I think you're good, right? And you have it in writing so it doesn't become a he said, she said. But certainly reach out legal uh, counsel if you're unable to contact them and you're wondering your rights. But I want to tackle the other piece, which is actually criminal law, which I don't practice. Yeah. Um, but going back to my law school days, <clears throat> I will tell you that you know, if, if you are in that instance, if you've agreed upon a time, you're an invitee, and certainly you own the property, like you're the landlord, but you're the legal owner of the property. Yes, the tenant has rights, but if they pull a gun on you and you're outside of the house and you're not threatening them in either uh, with bodily harm in any type of way and they shoot you, that is that that I would think that would not be OK. Certainly, that sounds like a, a criminal act, um, but I think it's a good idea to always be concerned about your safety um, in all situations. Again, especially if you don't have agreed upon time or if you just feel, if it, if it doesn't feel right in your gut. So I think both of those cases, whether it be the real estate piece or the concerns regarding criminal activity to get the right legal practitioner, because the, we're going to ask you some more detailed questions that I just can't tackle online. Um, yeah. But I will say that, again, with the, with all the landlords out there listening, this is so important from a squatter's rights perspective because this is happening big time all over the country. And um, especially if you own rental properties in another state and you just don't frequent that area, make sure some, hire a property manager. Make sure somebody's checking on that property regularly because even if it's vacant or maybe you're remodeling it, if you have people living inside that aren't supposed to be, they're not legit tenants and they're squatting, you don't want them to ever have an adverse possession claim and certainly you don't want them destroying your property so it's always yep. good practice to have your eyes or one of your agents or employees eyes on that property all right we're going to take a break when we come back our list of what not to fix when selling your home continuing with us brad Luller, owner of home team inspection service and team pug bug out you can reach brad over at uh, team bug out or home team at 844-411-TEAM. Also, Cora Henderson, who's one of the head honchos over at Pitt & Frank LLC. You can reach the folks over there at 895-9900. If you're thinking of selling a home, I'd love to be able to help you even buy a home. We have a team that could help you. Simply give me a call, 376-5483, or go to bobsellslouisville.com. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, the area's largest home inspection company. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, inspect thousands of homes in Louisville and southern Indiana each year. 
and team makes all the difference. Extra sets of eyes and overlapping duties means a more thorough inspection and better value for you. Multiple teams mean we are able to inspect your home when you need it. Radon testing, home inspection, termite reports, one call does it all. Get the team, get home team. Pip and Frank has been serving your community for over 30 years in real estate closings and our title professionals educate the real estate industry both locally and throughout the state. Tell your loan officer and realtor to close with Pitt and Frank where we pride ourselves on being your trusted real estate closing expert. Pitt and Frank, signed, sealed and delivered at 502-895-9900. That's 502-895-9900. Looking to sell your home and maximize your profit? I can help you. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Sekoler, owner of the Sekoler Team, Remax Properties East. We can buy your home, but the way to get top dollar is to let me sell it on the open market. With me, you're selling it on your terms, ensuring you're in control every step of the way. Call me, 376-5483. That's 376-5483. Or go to BobSellsLouisville.com. In today's real estate market, you want someone you can trust in the driver's seat. In Louisville, that's Bob and Greg Sokola. Bob and son Greg have helped thousands of families just like yours turn challenges into solutions. They can give you a guaranteed sale of a custom marketing system to get your home sold on your timeline and for the most money, and they have an instant cash offer program. You deserve the best there is. Bob and Greg, go to WeSellLouisville.com. You'll be glad you did. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sekolder, the Louisville Real Estate Show. We're here till we, with you till the top of the hour. If uh, you're thinking of selling your home this year, next year, or beyond, we can come out, I can, for a free no-obligation analysis and give you a path to getting you on the market and sold on your time frame. You can reach me anytime, 376-5483, or go to bobsellslouisville.com. And, of course, we thank Barbara Corcoran for her endorsement of us. And she's a friend, and you see her on Shark Tank. She's a, a great lady. Also here is Cora Henderson, who's with Pitt & Frank LLC. You can reach them to help you close your loan, and they do a great job at it. You can reach Pitt & Frank at 895-9900. And Brad Lawler, he's the owner of Home Team Inspection Service and Team Bugout. By the way, Home Team Inspection, Brad's company is the number one Home Team Inspection Service company. Now, it's nine years in a row in the United States, so that's phenomenal. Really great yeah. stuff. You Thank can reach you. them. Yep, 844-411-TEAM. We talked about tenants and the possibility of getting shot if you go into visit if you're an owner but brad you had a follow-up question you wanted to yeah. talk to about cora yeah well we were talking on the break there one of the things we're seeing more and more of uh, when we're doing home inspections particularly on vacant houses is we're running into squatters running into people who are not authorized to be in there now i mean fortunately home team goes in as a team for every inspection so it's always you know multiple people but the question i had bob was I, what do you how do you coach an agent who's approaching a a vacant home assuming no one's there just from a safety standpoint you know it's 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 something that i know we're very cautious about but what do you tell a, a solo agent walking into one of those houses be careful, I think, for one, right? Because you don't know what you're walking into, and that is a right. big problem. Uh, as many agents are carrying these days because of that. Anything that you would say 
Cora, you just have to be careful and look for any signs that it's been broken into. And if so, then you need to call the police. That's what I would Absolutely. Say. And that was going to be my number one takeaway is to just get the authorities involved and to get off the property as quickly as possible. But I think that whether it be maybe you're going to tour a home, you've been engaged, obviously, you have a representational duty to be there. You've been invited to be there um, by the owner and um, you find yourself in that situation. I would treat it just like an open house because there's so many risks, y'all, for these real estate professionals. I mean, they're literally in some instances, putting their life on the line mm. to sell your real estate. Um, so I think that there's a number of great practices as an awareness for agents. And, you know, um, you know, as Bob mentioned, certain safety precautions they may take individually, but also letting any everyone know when you go to tour property by yourself. Um, and some people even bring along a buddy, right? Some people have a code word, right? Like, hey, can you pick up that red file here? You know, maybe you're in a situation where you can't talk freely, but certainly if you see anything suspicious, like you haven't even saw any squatters on there, but if you see a broken window, Get, get in your car and leave as quickly as possible. But you know, yep. never let anybody block you in. You know, with your driveway, uh, always have your car facing outwards so you can have that escape plan immediately. Never let anybody walk behind you when you're in the property. Um, you always let them go first, and never go down in a basement first either. Oh yeah, and then you might want to keep the car on the street if that's possible for a quick getaway if you need to. All right, good question, Brad. We are wondering well, what should you fix. If you're in a hot selling market and what should you not fix? So next year, next week, we're going to talk about what you should fix. But this time today, contrary to what Brad might think, because he, he thinks everything should be fixed prior to, I'm going to tell you, these are the things you do not want to fix. And that's because when an inspector does come in, you want them to find things because that's what they're doing. They're looking for things to find. So if it's a major issue. Yeah, you can address it. But if it's something minor, it might be worth it. So you can negotiate that on the repair request. Okay. Minor electrical or plumbing issues. Small, isolated electrical and plumbing problems, light switches attached to nothing, faucets that drip a bit. You might want to consider not fixing those or replacing the, the washers and fixing the lights. That could be something you could do. Old appliances, make that part of a negotiation process. Aging windows, same thing. You don't want to put a lot of money in because you're not going to get money out when you replace windows. Uh, outdated, unless you're going to live in the house for a while, outdated floor coverings. It's worth it to reinvest and to refinish surfaces that are worn, but just for the sake of doing the refinish or changing them out, don't do that. Major room upgrades that you can't finish. If you're starting something, folks, you definitely want to be able to finish that upgrade. Otherwise, it devalues your home immensely because maybe there's $1,000 worth of work left, but that buyer is going to see it as five dollars or $10,000 of work, and they don't want to get in the middle of it. So that that really does come down to it. And should you sell your house? Well, staging also helps. Curb appeal also helps. So get the mulch ready once it warms up a little bit more, though we did have a great week, a couple of days of it at least. And if you're uh, struggling to sell fast, uh, think about calling the Sokoler team. Okay, that was a selfish plug, but it was true. You can give us a call, 376-5483. We go back to the questions. Let's go over to Cora. Angela writes in that she has a next-door neighbor who has allowed members of her subdivision to use the backyard as a community garden. This was an interesting question. She says in this email that in the spring and the summertime, it can get pretty messy back there. And she says she's planning to sell her home this summer and is worried that the mess will deter buyers. And she wants to know what can she do. And I will tell you, a messy backyard to a buyer that comes into the next-door neighbor can deter a sale. So that is a, a real a true problem. Cora, what can she do? 
Uh, two points there. First, I'll address her direct question, which is yeah. if she's concerned about a neighboring property and the condition of it or the practice of it, however they're using that property, she probably, since she mentioned she's in a subdivision, check those HOA restrictions. So I think it's a nice thing that they have that community garden, but is, is the neighbor outside of the restrictions so that you can ask the HOA to enforce the cleanup and or um, refusal for continuation of that to exist? Uh -huh. um, the second piece I wanted to mention too is just, I hope the neighbor's getting a license for all those people to come onto our property for a particular purpose um but you know, wait wait wait, wait so what does that mean uh, they she the neighbor needs a license uh, uh not a license like to have a garden or anything okay. but like basically that is a legal concept for she's granting permission for these other people to use her property to come onto mm -hmm. the property mm -hmm. for a specific purpose it's a privilege but it's also can be revocable by the grantor at any point in time so it's unlike an easement um but it's kind of similar concept bob but a license, what that will do is that prevents any type of adverse possession claim, right? Because ultimately, you've got neighbors coming on and using your property as a garden, and you don't want them to say, hey, I've used this for a statutory time frame, therefore, I should have rights to this property. Um, but that's kind of a sad bar situation. Yeah, right. But for the, for the neighbor, again, like we've probably all been in that situation, whether it's a direct adjoining landowner or somebody in our subdivision, we're like, mm, I maybe don't like the way they've let that overgrown vines on their house or the yeah. landscaping choice or, you know, whatever. But we have very little control over that because it's not your property. Um, so the only legal way that I can think of is if they are um, using that property in a way that is um, against a restriction that you could say, hey, you have to clean it up because of this. Or if there's like a county ordinance, you know, when I say restriction, that's kind of a private, you know, covenant there with the subdivision, but is there a county ordinance? What can we look to from a legal standpoint to ask them to clean it up other than, you know, hey, that's, I'm trying to sell my house and I think that's a real downer over here on the price. Um, yeah. Lastly, I'll just mention, is it a nuisance, which it doesn't really sound like it's an, a nuisance, but that would might be a claim you'd want to look into regarding um, just does that impact her uh, use and enjoyment of her property? Mm. That's a good question. You have to answer that one. All right, Carl, we move over to Brad Lawler. Tiffany sent us an email with an interesting question. She says every time she walks into her mother's room, and Brad, you're going to identify, a lot of our folks are going to identify with this. Every time she walks into her mother's home, it smells musty. So she's wondering what could the problem be and how does she fix it? So I've got several possibilities. I'll, I'll may, name it, you answer it, and then maybe you've got some to add. Okay. Um, okay, it sounds good. Yep. All right. Possibly the carpets need to be cleaned. Yes. Because there's a musty smell in the carpets, right? Ab absolutely. Yeah. They'll they'll hold a lot of moisture, a lot of dirt, and your the old backings can definitely give off a smell. The ventilation is inadequate. That's that was gonna be my likely uh point on this is yeah. that it probably needs an HVAC service. Maybe they they haven't uh replaced a filter. There's not a lot of airflow, a lot of air exchanges that are taking place. That's yep. So that's that's uh, another one. Mm -hmm. Then also there's a leak somewhere, and maybe it's gas, something yeah. else like that. Well, I don't think it's gas. I think th if there's a leak, it's probably water uh, that is that is causing that musty smell uh, as it's getting into contents potentially um, in the house, or yeah. if it's getting into you know other surfaces like sheetrock, drywall. Um, it could also do that. Even you know wet insulation will give off that kind of a smell. Finally, mold growing somewhere in the house. That could be another problem, right? Right. And it goes back to the water. Any of the water anywhere is gonna, you know, be create a likelihood for mold. So we were in a we were in a, a church parsonage here a few weeks ago and they have a, a 
vent fan in their bathroom that is not working very well. And so the house, the core of the house was staying very, very humid. Uh-huh. And so there was, you know, you've got the likelihood of a smell coming because you have high humidity levels because you're not drawing the the moisture out, the steam out when you're using the, uh, like a shower or a bathtub. Is there anything else that we missed that you would uh, recommend? Um, no, the only other thing is sometimes, and I don't know any of the, the situations, but sometimes content, uh, contents, old blankets, uh, textiles, those are things that will pick up those smells. Uh, they will be brought to wherever you you bring them, and the smells will stay with them. Sometimes just laundering, much like cleaning carpet, you know, that's that could take care of a lot of the uh, the problems. But old recliners, old textile uh, upholstery covered fabric, upholstery covered chairs, couches, those things will also pick up odors like that. Yeah. So anybody who I've had it happen where I walk into show a home or list a home and I can smell some some musty odors. But we've hit, I think, a lot of good items there for folks to think about. So this week we talked about what not to fix when selling your home. Next week, we're going to talk about the most important things to repair before selling your house. You see the symmetry in all this. We're out of time. Our thanks to our dear friends, Cora Henderson, over at Pitt and Frank Attorneys, LLC. You can reach Cora and the folks because you can choose the closing attorney that you'd want to use, and they do a fabulous job getting you closed. You can reach Cora and her friends over there at 895-9900. Also, continuing with us, our buddy Brad Lawler, who's owner of Home Team Inspection Service. They come in like a team, and they are a great group of people to use to to come in and inspect your home or with Team Bug Out to get rid of any of the pests that you might have walking around or running around. You can reach Brad on either case for 844-411-TEAM. And if you are thinking of selling your home now or in the near future, feel free, give me a call. It's a free, no obligation analysis. I'll come out, we'll talk. What is the path to getting your home sold? What is it worth? We'll find out in detail. I'll bring my laptop and we'll actually do a competitive market analysis there for you right in front of you so you can see what's going on. And if you're looking to buy a home, we've got buyer agents standing by ready to go as well. You can reach me at 376-5483 or go to BobSellsLouisville.com. We're out of time. See you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS.